Hello, everybody. On tonight's show, your broskies in basketball are live before 7 p.m. on the West Coast. It's because we've headed back east to preview the ACC. Recording live from somewhere, this is One and Done. Get out the insurance cards, get out the co-pays. The office is open, my friends. Brought to you by DrRoto.com. It's time once again for everybody to come aboard that Green Screens Media Train. Welcome to the One and Done ACC Preview, powered by DrRoto.com. I am your humble host. My name is Jay Heinrich, the conductor of the aforementioned Green Screens Media Train. Find me on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, Elon Hellhole, at Dr. William Cannon, and let's not waste any time. Let's get right to El Capitan himself. He is the captain of the Green Screens Media Ship. Follow that man on X at MC Holland 34. It's the OG Money Mike. That is Mr. Mike Holland. What it do, baby? What it do, fellas? Four weeks, less than four weeks, four weeks right on the dot. I'm somewhere right around there, but uh, hey, top 20 countdown is live. I think we dropped number 17, so check that out. Uh, you can find that on TikTok. You can also find that on our YouTube shorts. And yes, betting lines have started to come out. So, you know, I'm excited about that. We'll probably do a show here in a few weeks, uh, you know, talking about how to make you some coins. So uh, best bets are, are on the mind. But really, we need to talk about some of these conferences, these major programs. So I'm excited to talk about uh, the ACC tonight. ACC tonight, last in the intros. But of course, first right here. In the old ticker, he is Eric the Blue. Find that man in those Twitter streets at Fantasy Nav. He is the Baron of Bread of Green Screens Media. That is Eric Romoff. What's happening, man? Like uh, like Mike mentioned, within four weeks, maybe exactly four weeks to opening day. I was told there would be no math, so we'll uh, we'll have to check numbers on that. But if if you need to know what's going on not only in these high major programs like the ACC that we're breaking down tonight, but also if you need to get your hands wrapped around the mid-majors, go back and check out all of our previous shows. We have a playlist called Conference Previews. You can find all of our mid-major previews that we did two by two by two for what felt like nine weeks over the course of the offseason. You'll also find our high major previews, our spotlight previews listed in there. And also, check out Mike's articles over at drrodo.com. He is typing up and doing the Lord's work, covering those CBB streets for you. Like he mentioned, he's got some best bets queued up, but he's also got kind of some broader informational pieces out there. So it's going to help you get caught up with all of the comings and goings of a very busy offseason. Again, check that out at drrodo.com. And as has become tradition here in our spotlight showcases, we got Kalen back. Kalen's ready for that next dose right <laughs> in my veins. Right there. And Both I, arms. I'm going to have to take issue with this next comment uh, because we all uh-oh. know that Jay is low-key funny AF, <laughs> but if we tell him that, it's going to yeah. go to his head. He's going to yeah. start singing yeah. more and cracking more jokes. Yeah. I mean, Easy. look, we, Why not? we just have to appreciate this from afar, okay? Jay, you're – you're kind of funny. Kalen thinks you're funny AF. Thanks, Kalen. Appreciate the kind words there. Always enjoy being on with you guys. And, of course, my broskies and basketball here on the screen with me, two of the best in the business to do it. DrRoto.com is where you can find Mike's work on college basketball. 
everybody on this screen does uh, fantasy football work over there at drodo.com as well. So get over there and check out what is happening there. But not before liking and subscribing here on the Green Screens Media YouTube page. Make sure you do that. Like and subscribe. Leave us a comment like Kalen always does. Getting that daily dose, baby. That's what I'm talking about. But without further ado, let's hit the ACC. Last season, regular season title was split by Miami and Virginia. Both teams going 15 and 5. Three teams finished 14 and 6. So obviously a hotly contested conference there. Very, very good ball at the top. And then in the conference tournament, Duke beat Virginia in an absolute barn burner, 59 to 49. I bet if I would have told you that somebody scored 49 points in the <laughs> ACC championship game, you would not have had to look. You would have known it was Virginia. <laughs> However, they did have the highest seed somehow in the NCAA tournament. Virginia did at a four seed. And somehow Duke was a five. I, Whatever. Miami was a very deserving five. Could have been a little bit higher, in my opinion. And then two eleven seeds in Pittsburgh and North Carolina State. Ken Palm rankings had them had the ACC as the seventh ranked conference overall. Eight of the 15 teams inside the top 100 rated teams in the country. All right, there's the overview. Let's go to the headlines and start like we always do with our guy, Eric the Blue, with what we need to know about the ACC. Yeah, I mean, look the the thing that jumps off the page is this this was a this was a down year by ACC standards, right? Like it it starts at the at the tippy top. You open the year with the number one ranked team in the country, who proceeds to piss down their leg, finish unranked, and not make the tournament. But on the whole, this this conference finished as as seventh overall according to Ken Palm rankings. This is their lowest finish ever. In the Ken Palm era, they, they got close. They finished sixth back in 2013. But basically, every year since 1997, they have either been a top five conference, and 10 of those years, they finished either as the number one or number two overall rated conference. So clearly some very lofty standards, and by those standards, kind of a down year, right? So it, it, it bears the question, are we going to see more of the same this year, right? We saw teams last year like Pitt and NC State kind of, you know, kind of rise up out of that middle class? Was that to do with, you know, kind of some some softness at the top of the conference? Was that these programs building some momentum? Will there be more surprises like them this year? You know, there, there are questions really all over the place, save for, save for Duke, right? Duke is probably going to be preseason number one. But a, apart from that program, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to make make sense of which way is up in this conference overall. There's There's a lot of open questions heading into the season. And one of those questions is which of these teams can get a little hot on the road and, and steal one in someone else's gym, right? ACC was sixth last year in home win percentage. 64% of home teams won in league play. These are obviously some of the toughest gyms to play in the entire country. If a team is able to maybe nab a couple on the road in some of these tough environments, you know that that's probably going to be the tiebreaker, the determining factor as to which teams ultimately make their way in in the, you know, let's say five bids again that they get this year, and which teams are going to be on the outside. So definitely looking for some teams to uh, to do some work on the road, and that will probably play a a big part in which teams are are dancing in March. Well, and, you know, again, five teams finishing fourteen or six 
14 and six or better in the conference. It's obviously the issues aren't really at the top of this conference, but Mike, uh, let's head over to you now, get some, uh, a little bit of uh, headlines maybe that are on your mind, things that we need to pay attention to uh, heading to the ACC this season. Uh, well, I'm going to go with freshmen again, <laughs> like I talked about Dang. last show. Duke, the number two recruiting class, going to change the landscape. You know, they have a couple of five-stars, Jared McCain, TJ Power. We'll see how much run they get. North Carolina might have gotten its missing piece uh, this summer when reclassified five-star guard Elliot Cadeau uh, decided to come on aboard and take over that point guard position. And then you got, you know, after a disastrous season, Louisville still hauling in five-star talent. They got stud Dennis Evans, the center. Look, in these power conferences, we'll have to see what these young kids are all about, right? It's not no guarantee that they're going to be difference makers. Some take a few years, but – uh, you know, every school is pulling in some guys that we don't really know much about at this level. So that's one thing to look for. The other thing is Duke. Um, <laughs> are they going to be able to live up to these expectations in year two under Shire? You know, this is his second year. And then you look at the rival, UNC. Uh, man, kind of talked about it a minute ago. They missed the missed the tournament, making history. Uh, first team to ever miss the tournament after playing for a national title. So there's really not a lot of excuses for Duke this year with the talent coming back that we'll talk about. Uh, and then Hubert Davis, like, he better hope this retooling this offseason gets them back to the tournament because, uh, you know, the UNC faithful, they got a pretty short leash over there, especially having uh, Roy Williams there for such a long time. For our longtime viewers, listeners, watchers, you know that any chance that I can get to bring up the fact that Hubert Davis missed the tournament last year with as much talent that was on that team, I will do it. And Mike brought it up this time, so I didn't have to. But it definitely <laughs> – it's definitely one of those I, – I can't believe that it's just inexcusable that North Carolina missed the tournament last year. But let's move past that. Make sure if you're hanging out with us, you like and subscribe. If there's any headlines that you want to drop in the comments, let us know. We'll get to them. We always throw them up on the screen, even just chunk up a deuce, whatever you need to do. Say what's up. Get in those comments. Looks like we might have lost Jay's audio there. I think where oh, he yeah. was going was say what's check, up, check. get up in those comments as we have Jay back to confirm <laughs> hey, that that's what he was saying. I had one of those alerts that popped up on my phone there, y'all. I recorded oh. on my phone tonight, and I had one of those ones, one of those uh, emergencies. So thanks for sticking with me. But make sure you like and subscribe and get in those comments. Uh, let's go do here on one and done. Hit those impact returners we got 15 teams right in this conference so we're gonna go ahead and hit four duos that are on that are teammates and then a quartet of players that's right a quartet one two three four mm. quartet of players not fifth not fifth one two three four uh, players across the rest of this league all right so we will start with duke as uh, mike was saying a little bit ago really no excuses for them this year to not be uh, at the top of this conference. So we're going to start with Kyle Filipowski and Tyrese Proctor. Kyle Filipowski, of course, seven feet tall, and you can't teach that. 15 points, nine boards, 1.3 steals. You love it. Lengthy, lengthy. What's the word I'm looking for here? Just the, uh, what's the, I always say. Wingspan. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a he's long, I guess, you know, Filipowski. Lanky. And then, of course, Lanky. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. But that's uh, that might even sound bad. He's he's a big guy. He gets his arms in the way of the passes, okay? And Tyrese Proctor, 6'5 guard, 9.5 points, 3.5 times last year. You can add Mark Mitchell to this list, Mike, if you want. 
um, as well as all three former five-star freshmen are back for their sophomore year now. So, I mean, again, just just reiterate now why Duke really has no excuses. Yeah, absolutely. Those three five-star freshmen are back, which is kind of a surprise. Um, you know, we're used to seeing Duke having to reload every year. They had to reload their starting five uh, the previous year with all five going to the draft. So, yeah, uh, this is kind of interesting and the reason why they're going to be the number one team in the country, right? They have all this talent. You know, Filipowski, he had a fantastic year. There's still meat on the bone to his game. He's a better shooter than his, than his efficiency indicates. And for Proctor, I mean, he really started to get his game going halfway through the year. Remember, he reclassified, so he's really young. Um, and I just feel like this year with the year under his belt in the college game, he's going to do some major damage. So, you know, both of these guys could have been first round picks. So Duke's a serious contender, not just in the, uh, in the conference here, but obviously in the country with that, uh, expected number one, uh, ranking. Without NIL, are those guys back in school? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, man. Like we heard some of the deals last year, right? Like <laughs> Shibway, 2 million or whatever, Baycott, you know, has got a big deal. So uh, yeah, they they were one of the I think they believe they were the first school to have a general manager last year. Um, so yeah, you gotta you, you gotta think the money's flowing there in Duke. So uh, I I think overall, you know, Proctor's very young. So uh, mm -hmm. you know, he would be a freshman this year, and then Filipowski, I think, just kind of learned to work on his game. Uh, but yeah, NIL is obviously a factor. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on now to those rivals of the Duke Easel, North Carolina, come on and raise up. Armando Baycott and RJ Davis, of course. You've not, you notice there's one key puzzle to this North Carolina, you know, this one piece that's, that is no longer there, the messy divorce as they have phrased it. Uh, just Davis and Baycott have stuck around. Now, hey, I didn't, it's not, I didn't say it. I mean, it's, it's, it's what it is, okay? It is what it is. So, all right, now obviously, we ragged on them. I rag on them. We all can, you know, it's un, it's inexcusable that they didn't make the tournament. But now the redemption tour starts with two of the cornerstones left from that national title game run a couple of years ago, Eric. Yeah, look, you uh, you, you won't say it, but I'll I'll say it. You know, Caleb Love is out the door. He's he's off to Arizona. If you didn't catch our pack deuce and a quarter preview, go back and check out how how we <laughs> feel he will fit in for. Uh, for those Wildcats, but you know the the storyline for for UNC as we took what the first ten minutes of the show and each of us reminded the audience that UNC completely crumbled over the course of the year. It it took them half the year to figure out that they just needed to play through Armando Baycott and stop you know chucking up bad shots. He was an absolute nightmare for the first half of the season when it came to DFS. It was it was just a head scratcher why they didn't get him more involved. He is their all-time double-double leader in program history, so clearly he can impact the game in a multitude of ways. He's in for an absolute monster of a year again this year. And for Davis, you know, it it feels like it feels like he fits better in this system next to a true point guard like Cadeau, right? You know, they're they're gonna they're gonna get get it going for him. He's he's been about as consistent as as it gets over the last two years. So having that distributor is is definitely something that I think will elevate his game and while these are you know two of the key returning stars we're going to talk later about some of the other pretty impressive pieces that they've put around these two guys with the rest of this Tar Heels lineup get in those comments let us know what you think about the Duke and North Carolina duos that we've hit on so far as we move on now to Nigel Pack and Norchad Omie of the Miami Hurricanes of course Pack 
the sharpshooter, 13.6 points last season uh, on 40% from range. And Norchad Omier, 6'7", 240-pound big man, 13 points, 10 boards, 1.1 steals, 1.1 blocks, 2.2 stocks, and a double-double. Give me all of that, please. Two of the core holdovers left from that Final Four run, Mike. And, uh, I mean, these are, these are the centerpieces of, of what's going to be another talented Hurricane squad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, these two were the, the big transfer news from the previous year, and they really helped deliver, right? Uh, you know, pack all over the uh, the NIL news as we uh, bring that up as well. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're going to be the anchors this year. So it took Pack a little bit to get going. Uh, you know, finally figured out how to play alongside Isaiah Wong, what a backcourt that was. You know, he's a, he's a great shooter. He takes care of the ball. You know, my question is, is with Wong gone, like his driving and playmaking ability, they're going to need more of that from him or someone else on this roster and then Omiya, he's just one of my favorite players. He plays hard. He controls the paint, brings toughness. Uh, some question as to whether or not his transition from Arkansas State uh, was going to go well because he's kind of an undersized five-man. Uh, but he just plays really hard, and he's you know so tough inside. He's averaged a double-double all three years in college, and he's once again going to be one of the top two-way bigs in the country. So these two uh, definitely pack a punch, and, yes, they are uh, primed for a big year. Yeah, he, he plays bigger than 6'7", 240. Like, it's just it, – it's his game. He, he's, he reminds me a lot of Barkley in the way that he can just – he's just in the right place at the right time, but he's also super athletic. Like, it's not a it's not an accident. Yeah. You know, like, he's it's, he's just such an impressive player. I really like him here. Let's hit the comments. We see one – got one popping up here. What do we got? Yeah. It's like Kalen's back. Heard Miami has a really good five. Uh, probably starting five here, but the bench is suspect. Uh, yeah, and that was kind of the case last year. <laughs> like their five that they put on the floor were, you know, just really impressive. And I think they're going to have a little bit better of a bench this year. Um, their starting five is once again going to be one of the tops in the country for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely helps to have a five, that starting five, that talented. Um, we'll see how that plays out. You know, this is obviously – I don't know if Pack. Personally, I don't know if Pack has that next level, right. if I, I, but somebody's going to have to step up. There's a lot yep. of talent on that team. All right, let's move on now to Clemson with their star returners, P.J. Hall and Chase Hunter. Let's start with Hall, the 6'10", 245-pound center, 15.3 points, 5.7 rebounds. Oh, no, not just down low, though, 40% from range and a block a game. Got to love that. Chase Hunter, 6'3", 200-pound guard, 13.8 points, four and a half dimes, and 36% from range, which is definitely tolerable. A tandem that's probably not getting enough attention on a national level at this point, Eric, but when you look at the efficiency, these are two guys that just jump off a page and really, really make this Tiger team dangerous. Yeah, this this is a Tiger team that was a, a problem for a lot of really good teams last year. I, I think we're going to see that again play out this year you know last year they they managed to rack up 23 wins but ultimately they they saw their bubble burst they were part of their first four out when it was all said and done on selection sunday hall and hunter are back this year in their in their senior years to to really make another run of it right pj hall is just like the model of efficiency he only played about 24 minutes on average but in those 24 minutes 15 points six boards like you mentioned shot 40 percent from three he was he was kind of the bane of our existence when it came to, to DFS play because he was just like the picture perfect cash play, just super steady, 
super efficient. And all year long, we were banging the table, like, just give the kid some more minutes, right? Like, can we get him 32 to 34 minutes in this upcoming year? You know, he's he's been hovering around that 24 to 26 mark for the last couple of years. It feels like this is the year that he really takes a step forward in terms of his playing time. He, he's not... He's not the type of player that's going to wow you with his athleticism or anything that's going to hit the highlight reel, right? But like the kid, the kid's got that high basketball IQ. It's the first one in the gym. Like he's he's the kind of guy that you don't <laughs> mind taking your daughter out for a date, right? He just he does all the little <laughs> things well. He really stuffs the stat sheet. And for for Hunter, like he 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 put it all together. He's, he's back for this fifth year, right? Like last year, first time he really played major minutes, right? This, Last year was the year where he really took that big step forward in terms of his playing time. I expect now in his second year with that much run, we'll see an increase to his field goal percentage to see him get, you know, more efficient, more, more solid overall. You know, he, he does a lot of the things that you're looking for from your point guard position. And really for, for Clemson, you know, if, if they want to avenge that, that bubble from last March, like I think we need to see Hall get some more time on the court. I think we need to see Hunter get a little bit more efficient. And, and if they do, not only are they in position to, you know, potentially make the tournament, but potentially make some noise in the tournament. I don't know. It's like I gotta see it. I gotta see it with this Clemson team, but it's very possible. Hall's a good player. We might that might be his ceiling already. Again, I hate to do that twice on these on these studs, but like, I don't know. You know, gotta see the gotta see it on the court. Gotta see it for thirty minutes a night over a length of a season to know if he can hold up to it. You know, but he's a great player. And, you know, they'll figure that out. They'll figure out the best way to use them for sure. All right, those are our duos. Knock them out. As promised, we're going to get now to the old, the old quad box. Yeah. Four players here. Stud guards from the league first. You know, I like me some guard play. I'm going to go ahead and start right there at the top of the graphic and go to Mike first to talk about Reese Beekman and Judah Mintz, of course. Beekman, nine and a half points, five and a half assists, 35% from three and almost two steals per Mints a little bit higher on the scoring here with 16.3, also four and a half times and 1.8 steals as well. We covered these guys a lot, Mike, and uh, they're solid two-way players. Yeah, absolutely solid two-way players. I'll start with Beekman, uh, a key member of the Virginia program for three straight years. I mean, he's played 29-plus minutes every year, uh, so you know uh, you know he's out there. You know what you're going to get from him. You know He's got a great toolbox to work with. He can shoot the three. He's a great passer, probably the best defensive player in the conference. He's the lone returning starter, so you know uh, you know Coach Bennett here. Uh, he's going to expect him to be a leader with all the new faces around. So, you know, switching over to Mintz, though, fantastic freshman year. You know, we love playing him in DFS, uh, <laughs> fading Gerard, right? But, uh, yeah, I'm expecting a huge sophomore year. Uh, with the year under his belt, I mean, the game should slow down for him. Gerard and Edwards hit the portal. So, yeah, he should flat out dominate. And I'm um, expecting to to see him, you know, even pad these numbers more and and become one of the top players in the conference. Yeah, I would, wouldn't have any issue believing that at all if Mintz ended up being an, um, an all-conference guy. Stud big men now. Talked about the stud guys. Let's give the big guys some love. Let's start with Blake Henson from Pitt, 6'8", 230 pounds, average – 15.3 points, six boards, and ooh, 38% from three. You got to love that inside-outside game there. And then, of course, they're right there. Quentin Post, uh, forward from Boston College. He's seven feet tall, and you can't teach that. He's not afraid to step out for three either at 43%. Averages 15.1 and 5.7 boards last year. All league performers a year ago, Eric. 
and uh, obviously the centerpiece of their respective teams as well. Yeah, fair fair to say about both. And and for Hinson, like he was he was a major reason why why Pitt was able to make that that huge turnaround, right? Like we mentioned off the top, they made their way in as an 11 seed last year, but they really had to surge and come on late in order to to earn that seed. And you know he he had a big hand in that. He came over to to Pitt from Ole Miss at, at Ole Miss. He played played a solid role. He was you know he was a good contributor, but you know he he really found that starring role here at at Pitt. He's a he's a versatile four man. He can he can hurt you in a variety of different ways, right? Like you mentioned, thirty eight percent from three. You'll take that from a forward every day of the week. And he's not he's not your traditional defensive stopper, but he's certainly not afraid to get in there and, and throw his weight around, right? So he'll he'll do enough for you. And you know, like like we saw last year, he's he's going to have a big hand in in the overall outcome for for this Pitt Panthers team and for for Post. He's he's heading into year five, right? Like. Every year, his minutes have gone up and up and up. You know, he's he's slowed a little bit by injury last year, but you know, on on the whole, he he should be ready to handle a thirty-plus minute workload. He's you know, he's one of the more effective big men in the conference. Again, forty-three percent from three. You love to see that from your center. And you know, the the next step for BC really starts with with a huge year from post, right? Like if if he gets things moving on all cylinders, it just helps everything else about this system really fall into place. Just for the record, I will take 38% from anybody, <laughs> especially a 6'8", 230-pound forward, uh, for sure. There you go, Beekman, Mintz, Henson, and Post stars on their respective clubs, as well as those four duos we hit on earlier. Leave us a comment. Did we leave somebody out? I mean, guys that hung around this did we leave anybody out? Put it in the comments. Let us know what you think about it. Hit those guys that stuck around now. After you like and subscribe, come join us for some impact transfers. We're going to do four duos again and then a four-pack of players from around the rest. It's a theme. Four duos the theme. and then the four-pack at the end. It's a theme. The theme. We're doing it again. All right? We're doing lot. Oh, no. All right. Wrong, wrong time. This is good still. Okay. All right. Let's start. All right. Starting again uh, in North Carolina with North Carolina starting with Harrison Ingram and Cormac Ryan. Of course, Ingram, uh, the uh, wingman transferring in from Stanford. He's 6'7", 235 pounds, 10.5 points, 5.8 rebounds, and 3.7 assists. Just happened to weigh in at number seven on Mike's top 300 big board over at drroto.com. Believe that. And Cormac Ryan is no slouch himself, the 6'5", 195-pound guard from Notre Dame, averaged 12.3 points, four boards, two and a half dimes, and 1.3 steals for the Fighting Irish, coming in at number 138 on that top 300. No transfer class has a bigger task in the country than the one on your screen, Mike. And it, there's a stench that people <laughs> in Chapel Hill want to wash away from this program. Erase the failure of last year, and Ingram and Ryan are going to play a huge part of that. Yeah, they're the two that are most likely to start uh, amongst Davis Cadeau and the big man Baycott. There's also uh, Jalen Withers coming over from Louisville. He packs him He's coming in from Brown. They're going to play key roles as well. So, you know, these four guys are going to be busy. You know, when Pete Nance last year came over from Northwestern, you know, everyone felt like he was just going to step into Brady Manic's role, and it just never really happened. Uh, now Harrison Ingram's going to fill that, you know, that that four spot, and 
he's going to be a little different than what you've seen the last couple of years with these guys. Um, you got six, seven, uh, he can, he can stretch the floor a little bit, but he's more of a Swiss army knife. Like he's an above average rebounder, but he's a tremendous playmaker from that position. You can see that by the assist numbers and just watching him play. Uh, you know, he's kind of got the, that, that guard skill at that size, but able to play the floor. So I love his fit next to Baycott. I think it creates more space. Um, and it also creates more ways for the offense to be successful. The fact that he's a playmaker. So uh, really loving uh, what they're doing here. You know, Coach Davis with this Ingram Baycott pairing. And Cormac Ryan, like what you're getting is a guy that has played a ton of basketball. He's really tough. He's a good shooter, career 35% three-point shooter, shot 80% from free throw line. I mean, he doesn't turn the ball over. He's, you know, he's solid defensively. So both of these guys, like very, very key factors in what's going to happen with this North Carolina program for sure. Cormac Ryan is sneaky, like in terms of just overall in in the across the country in terms just of, of you don't look at him and it doesn't just scream like talent, Absolutely. right? This dude busts his ass, yeah, and like it shows. He works hard for everything that he does, and that is uh, it is shown. And I mean, his averages across the board just does a little bit of everything. He chips and he dips, like our guy Eric likes to say. Ryan's one of my favorite players to watch play for sure. Um, moving on now to Virginia. All right, again, another team like 49 points in a conference title game. Okay, all right. Maybe these two high scorers can change that. Jordan Miner and Andrew Rohde. Miner coming in from Merrimack, the 6'8", 240-pound forward, averaged 17.4 points, 9.4 boards, 1.4 swipes, and 2.6 blocks. Ooh. 82 on the top 300. And then Rody, the wing from St. Thomas, 6'6", 185 pounds, averaged 17.1 points, 3.6 assists, 1.7 steals, and was number 67 on that big board over at drrodo.com. Coach Bennett went the route of the mid-major stars this time, Eric, to replace his departures. Yeah, and he uh, he did pretty well for himself shopping in those mid-major ranks, right? These are these are both guys that dominated their their respective leagues, and you know how how they transition up to the the high major ranks of the ACC is you know is really the key to what potentially unlocks the the Cavaliers' upside, right? For for Minor, he was the NEC Player of the Year. He just completely dominated that conference. Played a hundred and seven games at Merrimack. You know now now the question is again. How is he going to fare in the ACC, right? Like seventh-ranked conference in a down year, eight teams in the top 100, according to Ken Palm. Like this is this is this is no slouch when it comes to competition. So you know, Miner's going to have his work cut out for him. But you know, his his efficiency is is super solid. You, you got everything that you're looking for there. You know, the he might not seem like the the flashiest player on on paper, but He's he's a super solid two way player. As he can just do a lot of different things well. He he kind of feels like one of those sort of X factor kind of glue guy type type of players that you know can just contribute in enough areas to really get things moving for these Cavaliers. And you know, Rody he was he was freshman of the year in in the Summit League, right? He just completely exploded onto the scene. He's got size. He's got versatility. Like everything that you're looking for in a wing, Rody's bringing it to to Virginia. You know, again, there's just that question of how this translates up to these high major ranks, right? I, I think if if we end up seeing, you know, a lot of what we've seen from their time in the Summit League and in the NEC, these are these are two guys that can really move the needles for the Cavaliers. Oh, and I think it's this is this isn't about their scoring. 
this is about their counting stats. This is about their steals. This is about the blocks that you're getting. This is the type of effort player that Virginia runs out there and plays solid defense and just does their thing. And they don't have to. I'm not saying they won't ever score the basketball, but I don't. They might not be asked to. You know, I think that uh, Coach Bennett sees those players and it's like, hey, you play good defense. You can do this really well. Come over here and uh, get in the mixer with me and watch Mike and Eric and Jay ignore you on DFS nights. Um, but either way, uh, either way, Minor and Rody are great players. And, I, I, you know, if maybe maybe Virginia can score 55 points in a conference title game this time. Who knows? Maybe they can break 50. Trey White and Sky Clark from Louisville. Let's move on from those Cavaliers onto the Cardinals. Trey White, of course, uh, you know, combo guy. In from USC, average uh, average nine points, excuse me, 5.1 rebounds, 6'7", 205 pounds. I love the size on this guy. 79 on the top 300. A lot of upside here with White. Sky Clark transferring in from Illinois, 6'3", 205-pound guard, seven points, two assists, number 61 on the top 300. Okay. Um. How, how do I? I don't really. I want to. I'm not going to tippy toe. Go easy. Four wins. <laughs> I know I can't. Four wins. And they're not Cal. Okay. So they're not going from four to 20, like I said that they will. And you know what's happening. This, I don't know. Four wins overall last year, only two in conference. Are White and Clark enough to at least help them be competitive, Mike? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mean, this roster is interesting. Thanks to the transfer portal, and that's one thing you can do is, is flip a roster really quickly. Uh, these two guys, like you said, they have a lot of upside. No white bolted USC, uh, you know, maybe because of Bronny, but uh, <laughs> you know neither confirmed here or there. But uh, he showed a lot of promise in his freshman year. I mean, his size and skill set really jumps off the page. He can play multiple positions, and I think you're, uh, here with Louisville is going to get a chance to be in a primary role. And you know, Clark, uh, I, man, like this kid is. Uh, Got, got, got some issues got to work through. You know, didn't really fit at Illinois. Let's see if he can make it happen at Louisville. There's a lot of question marks surrounding him at this level. Uh, and I just, you know, I hope he turns it around because I think the ceiling is great for this kid. He's got a ton of talent. Can he succeed at the true point guard role, which I think he's going to get first crack at? Uh, yeah, I think he can. Um, it's just going to be an entirely different, uh, different looking roster and, and players around him. And the Illinois team was pretty good last year, so – We'll see. These guys have a lot of upside, and uh, yeah, they're tasked with a lot of trying to turn this, you know, this blue blood around for sure. Yeah, you, you ever seen that uh, that clip of that movie where John, where there's a little boy on the side of the the pond and he's fishing, and he tells him he doesn't know how to swim, and John Wayne just picks him up by his overalls and chunks his ass <laughs> into the middle of the, of the pond. That's Sky Clark. Okay, he's Love gonna he's, he, he's gonna sink or swim. And the boy swam. I, I, he didn't drown. They, they, he made it to the side. Okay, spoiler alert if you ever happen to watch the John Wayne movie. Uh, okay. But I think I think uh, Sky Clark is going to swim too. Uh, he's going to get every opportunity to do it, and, and he's going to be a fun player to watch this year. All right. North Carolina State. DJ Horn and Jaden Taylor coming in. Horn from Arizona State, the 6'1", 175-pound guard, averaged 12.5 points. 2.4 assists, shot 36% from three, and had 1.1 steals per game, number 81 on the top 300 over at DrRoto.com. And, of course, the wingman, Jaden Taylor, 
coming in from those Butler Bulldogs, 6'4", 195 pounds, averaged 13 points, almost four boards, and 1.3 steals per number 77 on the top 300. couple top 80-ish players here for North Carolina State, Eric. Okay, lost to Quavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner. So not only two uh, awesome players, but two fantastic names. And now these two have some big shoes to fill next to Casey Marcel, who decided to come back. Yeah, I mean, look, what's what's old is new here, right? Like we we know that Kevin Keats loves his his dynamic guard play, brings in two guys that you know really fit what he likes to do, you know, really well, right? Like, we'll 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 see if they can run it back to you know put up similar production from what they have last year. But for for Horn, he's he's entering year five. He spent the last two years at ASU getting coached up by Bobby Hurley. You know, the the efficiency is really what what hurts him, right? Like he's he's had his moments where he's flashed, but you know, he's he's never been a, a big time distributor. He's never been a big time playmaker, right? More more of a scorer type. You know, goes out there, he hunts for his shot, but he he doesn't really do a great job of take care and taking care of the ball, right? So for you know, for Horn specifically, he's from Riley. It's a bit of a homecoming. The the hope is that he can evolve his game you know, beyond the scoring pedigree, you know, even if it's only an incremental step forward outside of scoring, you still need plenty of scoring in this league. So he'll, he'll have a role to play here for, for NC state. And on the other side for Taylor, like yin to the yang, right? He comes over from this Butler program, started 42 games in the big East last two years and shooting isn't really his area of strength, much more of a, of a rebounding type guard, much more of a playmaker. You know, those are the things that stood out about his game. So you know, getting a nice pairing with these two have have you know natural strengths in different areas. You know, Taylor. You know, he, he entered his junior year and and enters his junior year in a system that really fits his his style, right? So, anytime you see that, it it always smells like that's an environment that could breed a a breakout as a potential you know all league type player. But you know, zooming out a little bit more, the 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 things that these two guards do well really complement each other very nicely. And I, I think Keats is going to have a very dangerous backcourt yet again. Big shoes to fill, like we said, but uh, these are two talented players that, that are definitely going to give it a run. All right, those are the four duos transferring in. And then let's get a little, little quadrant here with uh, some uh, – we'll start with some proven guards. Actually, these are, are – these, man, are these all guards? Yeah, yeah like, do we have four? We got four guards on the hey, so just talking for you, about, baby. <laughs> so talking about baby, yeah, Matthew Cleveland. Let's start with Cleveland first from Miami coming in in state, interstate transfer here. You know, Cleveland might, you know, he does a little, he might do a little bit more. He's six seven, but you know, guard, guard, he'll say guard for Cleveland. All right, transferring in from those Seminoles, six seven, two ten, average 14 points, seven and a half boards, and uh, shot 35% from three for Florida State last season, number 15 on the top 300 transfer board. And then Joe Girard, not the former Yankee skipper. This is Joe Girard the third. They might as well call him Trey, shooting 38% from three ball last year and also had three dimes. How about it on uh, in addition to 16.4 points? Coming in from Syracuse, um, man, we, we talked a lot about both of these guys, Mike. Uh, yeah. DFS purposes, it spent a ton of time in this conference. It's, you know exactly what you're going to get from these two guards. Yeah, I, I love the the pickup for for Clemson and Miami. Uh, these really fit like your need, 
and fit perspective together. I know for Miami, key loss, right? Like we talked about Isaiah Wong, but Jordan Miller, uh, guard skills, but played the four because of his size. Well, Cleveland is the same type of player, but I feel like he gives them more versatility um, offensively, uh, a better shooter from three, and he can handle the ball and, and do a little bit more playmaking. So I, I think this for, for Larry Nega, right? Like he wants to play this, uh, you know, one man, you know, four out, one in, and Cleveland gives him probably the best opportunity that he's had uh, to do this and do it very well. So that's kind of scary uh, for Joe Girard. Look, the guy can just shoot. He's got a ton of experience. There aren't many guys in the country that can take over a game offensively. Uh, there's some question marks about his defense, but, you know, this, this Tiger team, we talked about, uh, you know, P.J. Hall and, and Chase Hunter, and they have some weapons all over the floor. So you add this guy in, he's a natural scorer, and all of a sudden you kind of got a little big three scenario here with Clemson. So uh, love the love the fit. Uh, for both of these teams and the player. A couple more players here that, in my opinion, these two are probably more of the untapped potential uh, point of view here, looking for a new opportunity. Starling, J.J. Starling, uh, now in Syracuse, transferring in from Notre Dame, 6'4", 200-pound guard, 11.2 points, 2.8 boards, number 28 on that top 300 big board, and Hunter Salas, Wake Forest guard coming in from the Zags, 6'5", 185 pounds, four and a half points, 2.2 boards, but still talented enough to be number 64 on Mike's top 300, Eric. And again, these are two guys that are just sort of, you know, Starling average 11 points, but is not really taking his game to that next level. And uh, Salas is looking to just really, you know, Take, his, take any sort of step forward in his game, and he's going to probably do it a week. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll start off with with Starling. Like he he looks every bit the part of a big time college basketball player, right? Like he just he he really needs some things to to line up for him to to reach that that upside and that potential. And I I think now that he's in this Syracuse program, you know he, he's he's potentially got some of that at, at his disposal. He's playing next to a true point guard, a, a guy that can really get him the ball. Someone we talked about earlier, that being Judah Mintz. And he's going to get a ton of usage for these orange men, right? So, you know, for for me, a guy that's got that talent, he's got that potential just kind of swelling up underneath. You know, now he gets that opportunity to, to really get as much run as he can handle. He's got a good distributor and a playmaker next to him. Seems like things are really lining up for that breakout year for Starling. And for, for Salas, like, Look, there's there's a lot of talent on these Gonzaga rosters, right? Like he's got to he's got to kind of body his way through a very deep roster, and it, it it limited his time on the court, right? You know, he's he's certainly a talented player in his own right, but you know when when we saw him out there for for the Bulldogs, really more of a defensive presence, right? He can give he can give opposing opposing players fits on the defensive side, but now heading over to Wake Forest again ton of usage, ton of opportunity in front of him. Like he can, he can really see his role expanded as big as he can handle it. Right. So these are two guys that are super athletic and super talented. And I'm really excited to see what they can do with a little bit more run. Four duos and the quad box, just like we did for the impact returners. That was our favorite impact transfers. 
coming into the ACC. Gotta love it. Got to love it. The transfer portal rules the world. It is what it is. Uh, you know, we talk about that all the time. We've talked to with coaches. Again, I like to say this frequently, but we talked we were talking to which coach was it when we were talking to him and they got the they got the text message in the middle of the of, of our interview that somebody was transferring. Uh, it was Kim English from Providence. Kim English, yeah, prob right. So we're talking to Kim English. How can I forget that we're talking to Kim English? And he gets a text. Somebody somebody hits the transfer portal while he's talking to us. So I mean, it is what it is. So all right, make sure you hit those like and subscribe buttons. Get in those comments. Let us know what you think about these transfers. Did we miss anybody? I think those are those are. It's hard to argue that those are that some of the top transfers coming into the ACC. If you feel like we miss anybody, or you know maybe we miss an impact player from your favorite team earlier, be sure to let us know in those comments. Jungle Baduce, you know, put a smiley face, it's like that or whatever, you know, whatever you need to do. All right. Time for the world famous tears. We're gonna do things a little bit differently tonight, okay? Sometimes we've come at you and we fill the tears in from top to bottom. You know, we'll say, okay, this team will go, okay, in the top tier. This team will go to the bottom tier, okay. Then sometimes we'll just put them all up on the screen and talk about them. We're gonna shake things up a little bit tonight. Some of the tiers or the tiers all have a few teams in them here, right? Okay, we've got teams in here. Uh, we're going to break these down first, the ones that we have on the screen. You'll notice at the bottom there, a few not in the tiers yet. We're going <laughs> to hit those up in a minute. But first, of course, Drizzy. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> For all the dogs dropped, as you know. And uh, in honor of drizzy drake our favorite canadian from the six october's very own <laughs> october's very own <laughs> yeah we got three dog themed tiers tonight for all the dogs that top tier pitbull not not the dolly not that pitbull even though miami <laughs> is in the mr 305 mr, mr. worldwide pit, i mean it, it could be pit that pitbull and that would be the top tier thank you very much Pitbull up at the top, our lab, Labrador Retriever, solid dog right there in the middle tier. And then at the bottom, you got, it's the pug, the pug tier. You know, they're kind of cute. catching strays tonight. They, they're kind of cute, but they can't breathe a snore. You know, that's so, so, so what you're going to get out of the pug, of the pug tier. All right, so I'm going to start off. I, like, I usually go to Mike. I've gone to Eric. I'm doing the top tier tonight. Oh. That Pitbull tier. Oh, oh. Pitbull tier, all right? Duke, Miami, and UNC there at the top. Duke, again, we hit on it. We've all touched on it. There's no reason that Duke should not be the clear-cut favorite here and maybe even a dang solid case for number one team in the country heading into the season. And we didn't even talk about Jeremy Roach. Not one time, guys, did we talk about Jeremy Roach tonight. He's back. The point guard, the guard play that's so important in college basketball, the land of the big men. Yeah. Jeremy Roach ain't a big man. You know how important he is to the Duke Blue Devils? Goodness gracious. Anyways, Duke, Miami, and North Carolina there. Mike, I'm going to go to you with that lab tier. Clemson, North Carolina State, Syracuse, and Virginia. Well, I appreciate that lab tier. Uh, I got a lab myself here, a crazy one. Uh, for this lab tier, it is Clemson, North Carolina State, Syracuse, Virginia, as of now. Uh, for me, Clemson just misses out on that top tier. We just talked about their big three. Feels like they need one more piece. 
could that be Jack Clark? Um, he's a transfer from NC State. Feels like you know he, he's going to have um, you know a role to fill here with Hunter Tyson. Uh, you know, out the door here, he was a very very crucial player for that Tiger team. So you know, if Jack Clark can step up. I can maybe see them creeping into that pit bull tier. Uh, interested to see. You know, Bayheim's gone, so <laughs> Coach Autry is here. We'll see. No more two three zone, unfortunately, for our DFS shows. <laughs> uh, I think there's going to be some new and modern life uh, breathed into this program. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, solid mid-tier. Uh, feels like a couple of these teams, even in Virginia, can't count them out, uh, making a run to that top tier. Eric, why don't you finish this out in that pug tier, my friend? Oh man, I'm gonna need a second. It didn't even <laughs> it didn't even click for me that we were we were burying the two three zone until you said it out loud. We, we made so much money just attacking that thing, and now it's gone, and I'm sad. Anyways, yeah. we'll talk hey, about the for my, here. for my viewing eyes and making me not want to stab them with a fork, I am thankful <laughs> that it's gone. DFS aside, all right? I mean, I, I get that. Anyways, we'll, we'll move on to the pug tier. Uh, three teams that we, we you know can categorically agree upon, those being Boston College, Georgia Tech, and Notre Dame. Um, look, um, Micah Shrewsbury parlayed a very strong uh, career at Penn State into this Notre Dame job. It's just it's probably going to take another year or two before he gets this roster where he wants it to be. Right, like it is a full on rebuild for for BC. Like we you know we talked about post. He's he's certainly an exciting player. I, I do think he carries some upside. But a, apart from that, you know his the the, the rest of this roster is just kind of okay. And and Georgia Tech, like you know, they've 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 got some experience on this roster. They've got guys that have been in the system for a bit, but there there hasn't really been anything that we've seen of them that would suggest that they're going to be uber competitive or or take a step forward this year, right? Like th these are the three that we feel pretty comfortable are going to be down here in this bottom pug tier. Just as a reminder for our new viewers, or maybe if you haven't seen our tiers in a while. The, the way that the teams are listed from left to right is not necessarily how we feel. Like, we don't think Virginia is going to be the seventh best team in the ACC necessarily. It's just alphabetical order on how we pull them up off the thing. This is just the tiers that they fall in. So just in case you're wondering, why do these Jamokes have Virginia as, like, maybe the seventh best team in this conference? That's not necessarily the <laughs> case. They just fall into that tier. And uh, I think that they have the capability to, to jump up to that top tier. But – Let's talk about some teams we have not addressed yet. As you see down at the bottom there, underneath the tiers, five squads we did not tier up yet. Who is it? What do we got? We got Florida State, Pitt, Louisville, Virginia Tech, and West Virginia. I'm sorry, Wake Forest. Let me go back. Pitt, Florida State, Louisville, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. I got West Virginia on my mind. I'm ready for Big 12 basketball. <laughs> West Virginia you, on my mind. West Virginia. All right, Wake Forest. Sorry, Wake. The fighting Tim Duncans. Let's shout about the five teams we haven't listed yet. First, uh, no, Florida State. How about Florida State first, Eric? An absolute disaster from a defensive efficiency perspective. Their worst finish since 2013. And then we didn't, you know, injuries, obviously. Injury book caught those Seminoles. Does Leonard Hamilton get these guys back on track? Man, I don't, I don't know if this is if this is a, a one year kind of fixed job, right? Like, you know, in in addition to their defensive struggles last year, I also saw two of their best players go out and hit the portal. Those being Caleb Mills and Matt, Matthew Cleveland, who we talked about earlier. You know, the 
the answer for this team is is really going to lie in that freshman class from last year. Like they're going to need to take a, a huge step forward if they want to be competitive. And there's also the question of whether or not Primo Spears is going to get this waiver, right? Jay's favorite topic. So it just, it, it feels like if everything comes together for them, they probably have enough to be competitive, but I mean, you got to, you got to really shoot the moon here. Everything has got to line up. You got to go exacto. It just it feels like there's a lot of variability in how this all plays out. Mike, what's what's your read here on on the Knolls? Uh, I'm with you on the question marks. I, I think this team really needs Primo Spears. Uh, we'll see if he gets the waiver. We're closing in, right? We, we need some decisions here in CAA. How do these players uh, not know <laughs> if they're playing or not? We're less than a month out. <laughs> exactly, like Tez Walker from North Carolina. <laughs> just suited up for a football game five weeks in so that's yeah. mac and sally working their magic yeah exactly <laughs> that's another show yeah absolutely uh florida state i mean you know darren green he's a nice player uh you know but you know, not a lot of proven difference makers right the freshman class from last year really intriguing they're now sophomores they're like baba miller's got a ton of potential to be a game changer on both ends uh, feels like this team in the conference has the widest range of potential outcomes. I trust Leonard Hamilton's track record. Um, you know, on, on paper, this team does have talent. So, uh, yeah, Jay, well, who do we got next? How about Louisville? Let's let's start. Let's go uh, Louisville next. Four wins total and two in the conference, right? We talked about that. Ooh, yikes. <laughs> this is a blue blood program. And before 2021, this program won 20-plus games for 18 years in a row. What happened? We talked about them this offseason, and if, if, you know, they could win <laughs> 15 games or, yeah, who knows. Where, where, where are we at, Mike? I'll start with you. Yeah, I, don't think, I mean, I don't think it's the strongest AC, ACC, so probably, um, you know, probably somewhere similar to last year with this, as far as where this ACC is going to rank. I think Coach Payne, he did a he did a great job bringing in the talent. We talked about Wyatt Clark. There's five star freshman Dennis Evans who mentioned up at the top. You know, forward Brandon uh, Huntley Hatfield. He got some good run last year. He's got the you know recruiting pedigree to be great. Are there any seniors on the roster? And I, I think this team's probably one year away from being uh, truly competitive. Eric, any thoughts? Yeah, you know, I I don't think this is a two win team in conference play like we saw last year. But I'm I'm not sure they're gonna get past you know five or six wins right so you know progress is good we'll we'll certainly take that but you know the the players we've talked about are, are obviously going to be essential to this reboot of the program you know really the the wild card is going to come in like we've talked about a whole off season for many programs from the juco ranks right they've got karan davis coming in he's six seven you know average 24 points uh last uh, in, in his juco career and and look, this this program just needs guys that can can get to their shot. He's he is a really good shooter. And you you get a you get a starting guard back, Mike James, who's going to continue to develop. You know, to to me, the, this team certainly has a higher floor than last year. You know, maybe a bit more upside, but but ultimately, I think it's probably going to be capped in this upcoming season. And we're going to have to wait for seasons to follow before we see it fully realized. Yeah, and we also got Kaylin here in the comments about Louisville. <laughs> Wants to know what's lower than a pug. Even though for Louisville, ouch. <laughs> we're about to make some I, enemies if we're if we're dogging any other breeds. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's a hidden tier underneath there. If one magically appears, but if if maybe we could just leave them down in the bottom there underneath. Yeah. You know who knows? <laughs> who knows? Fair question though, Kaylin. All right, pug. Well, Louisville. We'll, 
we'll slot <laughs> we'll slot all these in there into their respective tiers when we get done talking to them. But let's or talking about them, I should say. But let's move on to Pitt now, who seemed to be the Cinderella of the league last year. Lost a quality guard play, Mike. Do they have enough to keep it going? Yeah, they uh, they lost a lot of quality guard play, and it seems like not that long ago. I think this time last year we were talking about <laughs> Coach Capel on the hot seat. Uh, so my, how things have changed, right? Uh, just have a tough time seeing their success continue. Yes, you do have Henson, uh, but those guards were just so crucial. Burton, Elliott, Cummings, Sabandi, they're all gone. Uh, lots going to fall on the shoulders of Rhode Island transfer Ishmael Leggett. Uh, he was really good last year, but now transferring up to the high majors. Uh, then you're going to have to rely on some true freshmen like Carl Carrington and uh, Jalen Lowe at the guard position. So I don't know if I love that, Eric. Uh, what's your take on Pitt? Yeah, I, I think with Pitt, it's it's more about the the question marks in in the backcourt, right? Like what they what they do have working for them is a very underrated front court. We've talked about Hinson a few times now. We've also got the Diaz grandbrothers. You know, they have another year under their belt. Guillermo, in particular, you know, he could be he be a major force by the time the end of his freshman year, uh, you know, come comes to pass. And you know, this this unit it. It needs to be one of the the best in the conference to to keep to to keep the coach off the hot seat, right? Um, but you know, even still, I'm not sure that's quite enough to overcome their deficiencies in the backcourt. That's fair. I think it's really fair. You know, what's not fair is that we haven't talked about Virginia Tech at all. I don't know that we've Oops. mentioned the Hokies once. One of the best offenses in the country the last few years. They don't turn the ball over. Really well coached by Mike Young. Like, this is this is a good team, you know? Can we give the Hokies a little love? Like, what, what do you think? Uh, I don't know that I can. <laughs> um, look, uh, they, they lost, they lost a, a couple of key guys in, in Mutz and Basile. They, they graduated. They're out the door, right? You know, the, the backcourt's back. That's, that's something that they got working in their favor. They've got Hunter Couture back. They've got Sean Padula back. Like, you know, I I don't see anything uh, apart from from these two that you know really scare me. Looking up and down the roster, and you know, for for me, the 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 love has just kind of got to go elsewhere in, in the conference. <laughs> Mike, do you do you have a do you have a similar read here? Oh man, it's into your love elsewhere, man. Sounds like one of a Drake lyric here for these tears, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's backward. It's yeah, <laughs> it's back. Yeah, it's backward. It's fine. Um, you know, they won eight league games last year. I don't know, man. Mike Young, he always does more with less, so I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, <laughs> you know, at the end of the year we're like, well, we had the, uh, you know, Hokies underrated. But, like, there needs to be major improvement defensively. And I don't know, these guards are they're not great defensively. Northwestern transfer, Robbie Barron's probably going to start at the four. I don't know that he's got great defensive upside. So, for me, this season goes as Lynn Kidd goes. He should be their starting center, and he's going to have to anchor this defense. And, uh, yeah, he's going to provide some low post presence offensively and, uh, which they're going to need. So if kid has a really good year, then I could see the Hokies, uh, you know, doing some things, but overall I'm kind of with you, Eric, man, like this thing is, uh, <laughs> the thing is, it's, it's just okay. Uh, I, mean, I just <laughs> wanted to put it together. They, they score the ball. Like it's just, when you watch basketball and, and team, they're not turning the ball over. It's, I don't understand why they can't figure this out and win more ball games. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. All right. Wake Forest. Gonna make it up to you right now for calling you West Virginia earlier. My my bad. Wake Forest, I would, in my opinion, guys, this is we're talking about the most intriguing team in the conference here from a floor and ceiling perspective. I mean, absolutely crazy 
the where you can envision this this team finishing on the high end and the low end is the third time a charm now, Mike, for this Demon Deacon squad. They bubbled the last two years with some really, really good, not great, but really, really good teams. Is third time is the third time a charm for the Demon Deacons. Oh man, I, I really want to like this team and this roster, but there's just some holes that I really can't ignore. Uh, once again, it's waiver season, so Gonzaga transfer Efton Reed, the big man, uh, he hasn't gotten his waiver. I mean, he's the guy that's going to give you rebounding and shot blocking, so that's something they desperately need. Uh, you know, Garjawatuka, he's out three to five months with an injury, so you know maybe not a maybe a key player, but just some of your depth gone there. Outside shooting is kind of a uh, not kind of it is the major concern for me. So who's that guy that can kind of create his own shot? Um, What's going to happen when the shot clock's winding down? Feels like these are some serious question marks for sure. Eric, any better news for Demon Deacon fans? Uh, I mean, maybe a bit. Like it, this one kind of gets me every year, right? Like Coach Coach Forbes, you know, the, he may not get a bunch of a bunch of wins in conference play. I think he got ten wins last season, but he he keeps his program competitive, right? Like he's 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 getting the most out of his guys. They are they are a tough out every single time that they're they're on the conference schedule. You know, looking over recent history, he's he's really struck gold with two guards bursting onto the scene over the last two years, that being Alondis Williams and Tyree Appleby. And now this year, he's got two more cracks at it, right? We talked about Salas coming in earlier, but he also brought in a key transfer from Central Michigan, Kevin Miller. You know, Miller is a guy that, you know, he got hurt early last year. Um, but you know, before that, he was he was one of the more dominant mid-major guards out there. You know, it's going to be interesting to see if he can shake the rust off and and hold that form here in the ACC. And you know, next to these two kind of lottery tickets, you know, got a core of of really solid returning guys, right? Austin Carr, Cam Hildreth, Damari Monsanto, guys that we were firing up left and right in DFS last year. They're back again for the Deeks. And look, if if you're getting you know, more of these, you know, kind of 95th, 99th percentile outcomes from the guard play this year with Salas and, and Miller. I mean, this this is going to be a Deeks team that's that's going to be another tough out. I, I said I was going to make it up for them, and then I just <laughs> said that, that they could finish at the bottom of this conference <laughs> with, their, with their floor. Um, all right, Rook, before we, before we put these teams into their tiers, I, I want a prediction on Monsanto's uh, – DK price on opening night. <laughs> Monsanto's DK price. Uh, I, uh, over under seventy two hundred. Okay, sixty eight. I think seventy two yeah, is my over under. I see right. six. Mike says sixty eight. Eric, you yeah. got a you got a guess? Man, I was gonna be optimistic. I was I was gonna try to put this out into the universe and see him come back at like six point one k. I don't think I don't think it'll happen, but. 5,800. Yeah, I want to visualize this one. Those, Come on, those Monsanto. Days are gone. Sub those 6K, days my are guy. gone. Those days are gone. All right, let's let's go ahead and finish up these tiers here. I'll start with Florida State. I'm going to go ahead and side with Mike and what he said earlier and trust Coach Hamilton here. They have enough talent to be competitive nightly right there in the lab category. Not not in the pit bull. Dale, not there. Not Mr. 305, Mr. Worldwide. We're going to put him in the lab category. Mike, I need you to make the call on Louisville now. What? Do, yep, Louisville. Uh, Louisville. Uh, do it. <laughs> uh, can we just leave them at the bottom? No. Uh, sticking with my one-year one away scenario, um, five to six conference win feels right. Put them in the pug category, please. 
Pug, pug it up. Pugging it. <laughs> All right, Eric, what about oh, Pitt? Oh, man. Who does that leave me with? Leaves me with Pitt. Um, yeah, take Pitt. Man, I, uh, I, I, like, I like the momentum they had from last year, right? Like, they're, again, they're, they're going to have, you know, top tier front court play with Hinson back and the other pieces that we talked about. You know, if, if Leggett can give them, you know, a, a even just, you know, solid contribution from, from the backcourt. You know, I, I think that they're they're gonna be they're gonna be another you know difficult out here in in the ACC. So I'll I'll put them in the lab with a pen and a pad. I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all for Pitt. Mike, how about Virginia Tech? Two more teams here. Give us the V Tech. I just can't get excited about this roster. I mean, Coach Young, he'll probably prove me wrong. I'll go back and look at this and say, man, what was I doing? But unless there's a surprise breakout, I mean. But I'm missing. It's the pug category for me, guys. But I'm in the wow. pug. Wow. All right. Now they're in the pug. One more team, and I will let our guy Eric the Blue wrap it up. Wake Forest. What do you think? Oh, man. Uh, look, what what Mike said about their outside shooting is is valid, right? Like, it's 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 going to be make or break for them. You know, Efton Reed, you know, would, would be a, a real big boost for them as well. We'll have to see how that one plays out, but I, I think they still have enough to be competitive. And, you know, like, like I mentioned about when, when we were talking about them a, a moment ago, like coach Forbes, he's, he's got a strong history of, of getting the absolute most out of his team. So I'm, I'm going to slot them here in that old mid category. in the Ooh, mid. Ooh, mid. That's fair. I think, I think it's kind of, you kind of have to do that when the ceilings here and the floor is here. Just me right there in the middle. It would be a mid-tier with the lab. All right. Final tiers here have been completed. Nobody added to the pit bull section there. We stayed mm, at, at Dale. Dale, Dale, Dale. All right. Duke, Miami, and North Carolina up there in the pit bull, the top tier. The lab tier, Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina State, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Virginia, and Wake Forest. And then the pug category, Boston College, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, and Louisville found a way to somehow mercifully get off of the <laughs> bottom line and get up into a tier there with the pug. The rest of those. Uh-oh. Sleep. Yeah. sleep. No. All right. We'll leave him. We'll leave him just for now. All right. Very good. Good stuff, boys. Hey, of course, that was our famous tier section in honor of Drizzy dropping for all the dogs. And we appreciate all the – Boys and girls from around the land watching us tonight, hanging out with us. Before we head on out of here, Eric, some final thoughts from you, please. On the night we celebrated the ACC. Yeah, look, I I think I think it's going to be really interesting to see how how this this conference rebounds, right? Like I think heading into this season, they're they're going to be as strong, if not stronger, than they were at the top last year. But you know, after that, I mean, there's there's a lot of programs that have a ton of talent and a fair amount of question marks or <laughs> less question marks, but not quite as much upside, right? Like it just it feels like feels like overall it might be you know again kind of a down year by ACC standards. Maybe they finish sixth in the Ken Palm <laughs> rankings, right? Which is still uh, nothing to nothing to sneeze at, right? So gonna be fun to see how this one unfolds because you do have such solid and, and clear visibility to who's up top. And then you've got a real jumble in terms of how the rest of this conference is going to play out. Mike, final thoughts. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the, the three at the top. Uh, Duke, expectations, North Carolina, rebound, Miami, encore. Uh, like those are the question marks for me. And then who from the lower tier? There's going to be a team every year in, in every one of these power conferences. There is a team that we don't think is going to do anything like Pitt last year, like North Carolina State that we were on um, before anyone else. They're going to jump up, and one of these teams is – you know, probably not going to go in the way of North Carolina and <laughs> completely fall off the map. But, you know, one of these teams in the lab or the pit bull may slide down. One that's more. That's just the way college basketball goes. <laughs> one more. Bam, right before we finish. Dude, we need to get like a board and just tally mark it. I think, I think that's <laughs> nine <laughs> mentions tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, you deserve it if you go to the title game and then miss yeah. the tournament the next year. Sorry. Not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. And I'm, I'm not sorry that we almost dropped Louisville down below the third tier. Uh, like uh, like Kaylin was saying, uh, you know, <laughs> give the people hey, what they want. It is what it is for sure. Hey, I'm Jay Heinrich. I'm the conductor of this thing. That's Mike. He's the captain of this ship. That's Eric. He's the Baron of Bread. Do not forget to like and subscribe. Turn on those notification bells. And oh yeah, hey, our guy. At the real Napier doing stuff for us, making his TikTok debut in the shorts. Make sure you check out our guy, Chris. I'm pushing some TikToks out too, as well, for our top 20 countdown. Make sure you follow at Get Green Screens and at One And Done CBB on Twitter, in those Twitter streets, as our guy Eric likes to say. Make sure you stick around. We're not going far. We're staying East Coast next time around with the Big East. Make sure you tell someone you love them. Have a nice day. Let's get this bread, baby. Thanks for stopping by the office. Get your fantasy prescription by subscribing to the channel and checking out drrodo.com. And until the next visit, be well and take care.